We're going to sound so I'm fake. Because <laughs> fake, fakey. All right. You're a big, fat phony. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing discoveries we often hear about, but never seem to touch our lives for whatever reason. We want to look at some of those innovations, innovations and discoveries and maybe figure out a way to help advance those to an actual thing on a shelf somewhere. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska Medical Center, the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and Nebraska Medicine. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Tyler Scher and Joe Runge. Tyler is a Ph.D., uh, licensing associate in our office at Unimed. How's it going, Tyler? Hey, good. How are you doing today, Charlie? Not bad. Not bad. Thanks for asking. I'm also joined by uh, Joe Rungi, who's a patent lawyer. Hi, Charlie. In our office. Sorry. Didn't <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> didn't finish that thought. I am a patent lawyer in your office. Yes. Um, and I also want to tell you, please take a moment to rate the podcast. Please leave a review. Um, please tell your friends about it. We wish to become the front porch for all university innovation, um, not just innovation coming out of the University of Nebraska. Yes, we want to tell stories uh, out of universities everywhere, so we show all the good that universities are doing. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, Universities are changing all – they make all our lives better. How do they make them better, right? Like what are they doing that's so important? Well – Academic, well, you know, biomedical stuff. You know, we've we've got like thirty some odd episodes. You can go back and listen. to We do say need, that a lot. If you need to know, kind of something's been bugging me. <laughs> research. What, yeah, thank you. What's been science? Bugging? They science. do science. Science and up to research. <laughs> there's tests. There's experiments. There's a whole. Most don't work. NIH yeah. thing that gives money for this sort of thing. That's true. Um, yeah. What's your point? My point is, is like research isn't just done at universities. Okay. Well, let's go over that then. I th- that'd be a good show. Let's do it. What do you got? Okay, so, so prove it. They're prove, laughing, boy. Right, I, I'm not it. laughing. I'm, I'm <laughs> deadly serious. Well, it's an I'm meeting your gaze. Okay, there, Captain Literal. Intensity. <laughs> <laughs> so right. down the street. So now I feel weird. At the University of Nebraska <laughs> Medical Center is the giant VA hospital, right? Oh yeah. They yeah. do research there. They do. They do. Oh yeah. yeah. You know that ma test that we're so chilling all the time yeah the mod test the uh, cardiac uh, coronary artery disease came test. out of an alcohol liver disease test that was assessed <laughs> at the v i'm not kidding <laughs> I th- i'm sorry i thought you were gonna say an alcohol fever dream but okay. <laughs> sorry baby <laughs> i no, wasn't it came there out, it came out of, uh, sorry sorry i don't mean to make light of it It came out of legit uh what was it uh, don't we make light of it isn't that our thing i know but i don't i think that i'm really excited about the ma test i know the, the blood that's test. why i went there and that's why and I, I hate myself now for, for so wait that came out of the VA? Yes, that was originally a VA research program. The mott adducts were discovered by Dean Tuma in a laboratory at the VA, which is in like a little I'm building sorry. off of the hospital. <laughs> Tyler said that he sounded like the dude in a loud sweater on an infomercial. Wait, <laughs> they do that at the VA? <laughs> That's the tone I'm going for. I thought that was my role on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> were you at the show prep meeting? <laughs> or were you checking your phone? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like the green... It's like the pan. Pans got you down. <laughs> I have a hard time washing walls. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so the VA does tons of research. Yes. And this is like a really huge factor for VA research administration. We They, they want to promote all of the great research that goes on at the VA. And similarly, there's research that occurs in other branches of the federal is it, government. Is, is the VA research, is that is that 
uh, purely VA or is it like people with joint appointments? I know we for us it's people with joint appointments because yeah. VAs that are located near universities, you know, they go back and forth. Residents go there to train. Right. That's how we're sort of involved. But there are VAs that are totally freestanding. Some of them in the middle of really really rural areas. Really, and they do their own research there. EMRs, right? Basically invented by the VA, right? The first v, uh, electronic medical record systems were implemented the VA like in the 70s. And it was Whoa. basically in use for a long time. Like Python and non-relational databases, right? No way. That's what they built it out of. And like in the like 2010, when that stuff became like super cool again, there are all these like old VA programmers. You're like, yeah, I knew it. Wow. <laughs> it's coming back. Right. Non-relational databases and complicated stuff. It's going to be awesome. But no, like, so the VAs do that. Uh, healthcare outcomes, right? VA has to take care of huge sick populations for which they have no control over who sort of joins. And so they would come oh, up with really yeah. effective mechanisms. Sure. They do drug research. Um, you know, they, they have access to these really cool biobanks because they can, you know, they're veterans. The veterans are awesome, man. Veterans will always help to promote their own research. Well, not always. No one always does anything. But they're very reliable in sort of building these huge, you know, cohorts of, of biobank data. And the VA has been really effective at leveraging those. That's a good point. Similarly, there's research that's going on in all the branches of government service, right, or in, in military service. So the Army, the Navy, the Department of Defense, throughout all their branches, they have their own research laboratories. Really? Yeah. So, so Army has their own little... Army has over 100 and... There are over 120 laboratories well, throughout the department. What kind of research are they doing? Better, longer-lasting flashbang grenades or... So there's a variety of research, but really they're actually, you know, there's research in, in related to soldier lethality, right? I mean, they're not just looking at how do we get better weapons in the hands of soldiers, but they're looking at how do we enhance nutrition to make soldiers more effective in the field. But it's not everything's just really, I mean, if you look at everything the army does, right? Like who was on the ground in Africa treating Ebola? Uh, it was the army. Okay. It was it, that wasn't it was a trick question. Forces. It was not. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I had my trick question hand signal. I'm making a hand signal now, even though it's a joke. Brain... No, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and 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 you know the the army is uh, applying aid, right? I mean the the army has a really diverse mission. So does every area of service. You know, if you looked at all the things that I mean. As complicated as the relationship can get between the public and and people who do serve, I think the one thing to always keep in mind is that you know, in addition to um, you know the the principal mission of defending the country, the army has to do really simple things. Every employer does. They have HR systems. They have to feed people. They have to build things. They have to take them down. They have to ship them. Right. All of those are done in places with no highways and in places that you mm. know defy that type of stuff and while so they're being shot at while they're being shot at yeah. yes yeah. and 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 they have to be and they do it incredibly effectively and they have their own technological requirements and so in addition to all of that there are laboratories uh, specifically within uh, the US Army Medical Command that are looking at new types of medicine. And some of them are the kind of things you'd expect, ways to treat ricin poisoning, way to treat mm. um, you know, nerve gas agents, but also some of them related just to infectious diseases. And some of them have you know, multiple applications. So things that treat 
the initial infections associated with uh, some biological agents could similarly be used as anti-infectives more broadly. So, so sure. what are some of the things they're working on with anti-infectives? Uh, sorry, I just want the mic. Uh, what are some of the things they're doing with anti-infectives that might be more well, broadly used? A really good place to go look is an organization called TechLink. And when I was at the most recent autumn meeting, what's I, TechLink? TechLink is a, a it's an organization that has an affiliation both with the VA and the Department of Defense. They they are essentially doing technology transfer for those entities at that level. So tech transfer offices like Unimed or other university research offices, they're affiliated with particular research institutes that get federal money to do research to eventually produce intellectual property. Whereas there are also research laboratories that stay within those agencies themselves. So the NIH, for example, they have their own scientists that do their Mm -hmm. own research and they have their own technology transfer office. But similarly, uh, the Department of Defense and the VA, they have their own researchers, they produce their own intellectual property, and they have all sorts of various organs and agencies that do tech transfer for them. And one of them is this this group called TechLink. They're out of Montana. They're affiliated through the University of Montana. Everyone there is a, a Montana email address. But they have a, a, a partnership both with the Department of Defense and the VA to promote technologies that come out of their um, laboratories. Okay. Okay. And so... Uh, after meeting with a, a couple of their representatives, I, I was really interested in, in talking about some of the work they do. And I think it's really interesting the types of research that they, they really wanted to highlight. They, they showed us sort of two different things at kind of the spectrum of, of where they're at. And, and, and the first one uh, is actually related to caffeination. So, um, you know, like, like we said, they, they spent a lot of time looking at soldier performance and, and how is that functional, mm. right? And so caffeine can be performance enhancing. That's right. Caffeine can be, and too much of it can be performance detracting. Yeah. And so, uh, they, so what's like the perfect level of caffeine then to, I would be, like to know for me. Yeah. Right. As, as a parent of children who seem to hate me. Yes. I would like to know the optimum level of caffeine. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that, I'm that, that got oddly that. personal. I'm like, <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I go, did I say that out loud? <laughs> so that came out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Reifman, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing uh, the, the, the inventor's name, uh, he developed a mathematical algorithm based upon what time you get up and what time you want to go to bed that sort of optimizes your dosage of caffeine throughout the day. And so the idea is that if you sort of know those fixed uh, constraints, then you can sort of keep your caffeine level optimization. The idea being that if this is really more intended for extreme, not extreme, people who have uh, more prolonged needs to stay awake. So mm-hmm. if you are walking the defensive line on a, an army base, or if you're an airline pilot and you have to get another uh, uh, leg in your, your travel shift in, they can basically use this algorithm to figure out when you should be consuming caffeine to sort of maintain that optimal level of alertness. That's interesting. Hmm. And that doesn't, uh, at least this version of it doesn't take into account body weight? Um, I think, uh, I'm, I'm sure body weight is a factor that can be introduced in there as it's basically a dosing regimen. Yeah, okay. Um, but the idea is that the algorithm mm. is much more a function okay, of, I see, I see. Of, of kind of functional requirements that go along with the particular technology. This is currently, uh, there's actually an app that was developed out of the Army Laboratory as the paper shuffle. I don't remember what it's called. It's called To Be Alert. 
To uh, be alert. To and it's, be it's alert. available right now? Uh, the app is currently not available on the App Store. It was used as part of their research protocol. Okay. But it is readily available to be turned into an app that could be available on the App Store. So okay. aspiring entrepreneurs out there interested in caffeination who want a leg up and a gold standard in terms of research backing their products, we will include a link in the program notes to TechLink's offering related to the To Be Alert caffeine optimization algorithm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, careers that that uh, require caffeine. Yes. It seems like though optimally. dosing, controlling the dose would be a, would be a challenge. I because think no cup of coffee is the same. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because yeah. I mean the 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 sort of food service coffee stuff we have in the office, you know. I can, I can drink stuff. That's like water. You, well, have, you, to, know, you have to control your source. It also, de- also depends on who makes it. If our fearless leader makes a pot of coffee, you have to eat it with a fork. That's true. After I mean, you stab it. After it, <laughs> <you have> <laughs> it runs away from you. Cause it's, yeah, I think it's like um, – I think it's six parts uh, coffee grounds for every half well, part water. It's weird because we got the, the individual <laughs> serving packets thinking yes. that that would solve it. And I don't know how he still does still, it. Still, somehow, he's able to He condense. finds the one that has three times as much coffee in it. <laughs> yeah, so if he's making coffee, you, yeah, you're going to be you're gonna be up for the next four Weirdly, days. I'm not even kidding. The app actually occurs. You have to put a check <laughs> to say, is Dr. Dixon making the coffee? <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because yeah. they said, oh, that's our boss. Like, thank you. We had no idea what that was. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so does that does the, does the app or is there any way to account for Source? that that level of, uh, I don't know what the right word is. So um, the algorithm can be integrated with a lot of other variables. And variables. so they're really presenting it there as, you know, they, they figured out the hard part, which is how to dose versus, you know, what your expected performance is because, you know, that's kind of their, their jam right now. And so they're looking to sort of work with an app developer to, you know, further implement that either in existing applications or as something that's that's totally new. Okay. Hmm. Something that was really kind of uh, fun and different, right? Like you wouldn't expect the Army to know optimal caffeine consumption, although when you think about it, it kind of makes, makes sense. sense. Makes yeah. sense. The, yeah. the other thing that they mentioned is it's actually a licensed technology. Um, it's a sort of partnership that they've developed. So during the Ebola outbreaks in Congo a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember the serum that would be administered yeah. to people to sort of promote. Yeah. So uh, that's ar- there's army intellectual property that's related to that. It's hmm. um, a, a sort of proprietary mix of, of monoclonal antibodies. Did I say that right? Yeah, is a cocktail. I'm trying to use their words as oh, close cocktail. as I can. Okay. Is a cocktail of monoclonal antibodies that has been shown to be effective, and I think it's really fascinating. So when they administered this cocktail to people who were infected with Ebola, if you're infected with Ebola and have no treatment, you have an 80% mortality rate. Um, if you did get the treatment, that that rate dropped down to 37%. Wow. And so it was remarkably effective, you know, absent a cure or any other real formal treatment. This is a very, um, uh, this is a very rough way to sort of prevent Ebola deaths, yet it was very effective. Mm. And so. So I'm, I'm curious, is this, is that what they gave here? Uh, no, I don't know if they gave that here. For our listeners, the uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center in, in Omaha has a biocontainment unit where they actually airlifted a couple of people from Africa mm-hmm. to our facility here for treatment. I'm mm-hmm. curious if that was... I'm sure it was part of it. Okay. Um, you know, And again, I don't know if this was the exact same serum that was given during the outbreak. It sort of matches with the story. I'm going to include a link to the story that, okay. that, that TechLink... Uh, TechLink does really nice write-ups that are sort of really press-friendly in, in sort of the stuff they do, so they're really worth reading. Okay. Um, sure. But the, the, the um, original outbreak ended... 
mercifully before they could really get a full-on clinical study of the 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 monoclonal antibody cocktail completed. And so in the current sort of smaller outbreaks that are occurring, which unfortunately continue, mm. these are, are opportunities uh, for their commercial partner, which is a company called uh, uh, MAP Pharmaceuticals. Uh, they have a product called ZMAP, which is um, derived from the intellectual property of that antibody cocktail. They're currently conducting a clinical study um, in some of the ongoing Ebola outbreaks out there. But again, it was originally a technology invented in a, a army laboratory. It's very wow. cool. That is very cool. I think, um, be, you know, it's it's kind of a nice problem to have where there's not enough subjects to do a, a proper test. It is uh, good. Uh, but anyway, on that note, it is time to come to ground on this. It's very cool. Keeping out for more of those VA. And I guess we can't just say we're the academic front porch anymore. I know. Or the research front part. <laughs> research. You know what? We're just going to use a, a small A academic, right? Okay. As sure. long as you're an egghead with glasses, you're with us. Or an egghead without glasses. Or an egghead. <laughs> or not even an egghead. Or a person with glasses. An egghead with 3D printed <laughs> contact lenses. you're a human being. If you're sciencing, you're cool. <laughs> Very good. All right. On that note, it's time to come to ground. Thank you for joining us. On behalf of Tyler Sher and Joe Runge, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you for joining us on the Innovation Overground.